Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Too many notes today. Tim and friends for February 23rd live from the Sportsnet studios in downtown Toronto. I'm Tim McCall. That over there is Jesse Rubinoff, Gene Principe, Mike Fuda, Donovan Bennett, Kenny the Jet Smith as we welcome back the game of basketball, Jesse. Yes. You know what? I kind of missed the game of basketball after we awakened from the slumber known as the All-Star Game. Yeah, because we didn't get any. No, we All-Star did not game. get any. No basketball. We got some dunks. Got some dunks. No we got a white though. kid that's like 6'2", yeah. that all of a sudden got some street cred for what he did, even though he doesn't play in the NBA. He's and ex- then there was whatever the hell it was on Sunday. Snap description. Yeah. Right. Exactly what it was. Nine in the NBA tonight. We've got ten in the NHL. We're back in full swing, right? Yeah. yeah ten I'm, in the yeah. NHL, nine yeah. in the NBA. Full swing includes McDavid versus Crosby. Oilers and Pens, they lock horns. Sportsnet, 7 p.m. Eastern. It goes like this. It goes us, it goes Hockey Central, and then it goes that game. Just lay the remote down. You're good. Pens, Oilers, Hockey Central, us. Game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. Sit back, relax, maybe even crack a pop. Just me? Or does it feel like, Jesse, we're hitting the nitty-gritty? I'm not going to hit the gritty. Just the nitty-gritty in both basketball and hockey. Like, we're, we're going down the home stretch now. It's best time of the year. Closing in. Yeah. Once we get to the playoffs, Jays start. Yeah. Then I I think Masters is on its yeah, way. I was, I, I, was need, gonna, I was nervous you were going to leave it yeah, out. March Madness <laughs> will start. We'll hear Jim Nance a lot talking about all these things. Um, we are primed and ready to go for the Jim I Nance, th- Tony Romo back and forth. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that well Tony's nowhere near any of this, and maybe that's a good thing. But that's <laughs> the that's the best time of the sporting calendar. Yeah, I would agree. I think Playoffs, the only one that hockey, basketball, the other one that rivals it is what, like October? Yeah, when basketball and hockey are starting. World Series, baseballs baseball in the playoffs, World Series. Yeah. yeah, getting. But I think the fact that you get the two, although then you get the NFL in there too. Whatever, we love. Sports. It is. It is very interesting that uh, April, like March, April, is considered such a great time of the year for sports when the NFL's off, because the NFL is wildly popular. Well, it takes a, it takes a lot of oxygen. Yeah. Get the draft in there. Draft. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Fair there. enough. It's not fully gone. Again, XFL. Yuda, Principe, <laughs> Bennett, Kenny the Jet Smith on the death of the All-Star game. Has load management gone too f- I feel like the death of the All-Star game has transitioned from they don't do jack during the All-Star game to they don't do jack during the regular season. Yeah. We'll talk about that with Kenny the Jet Smith. Hope that sounds like 90 minutes of edutainment for you. And it all starts with Jesse, Biggie. First things first, so let's set the tone Jose Calderon. First things first. The All-Star game was load management. Yes. It was. The All-Star game was part of the load management. You are correct. Uh, well, we get to, as you mentioned, some real basketball, finally, uh, as the NBA returns from the All-Star break with nine games tonight, including the Toronto Raptors hosting the Pelicans. OG Ananobi is expected to return after missing the last nine games with a wrist injury. With 23 games remaining, the Raps are currently in 10th place in the East, the final spot in the play-in tournament. And yesterday, Nick Nurse talked about his priorities for the rest of the season. Hmm. Listen, I'm not really uh, looking at the whole big picture, you know, like the 23 games or where it, where it goes. I mean, obviously, we need to win and, 
you know, cheer for the teams around us to not win and, you know, to climb up there. That's That doesn't change. That probably goes on no matter where we're at. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, is we got to make sure that, that we get in in some form or fashion. We play pretty good basketball here of late. You know, there's been a couple of slip-ups here and there, but just want to keep progressing, and I, and I really feel like we can line up with anyone. All right, so after hearing that and uh, coming out of the All-Star break, what are your expectations for the Raps the rest of the season? <laughs> How he started that? Yeah, no, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> like, I, it was, it was kind of interesting that he was like, I'm not going to look at the big picture, but yeah. like that's kind of what you, you sort of have to look at the big picture now, right? Okay, so let's look, let's look at the big yeah. picture. And I get a lot of Raptor fans are projecting Masai's voice for Little Johns and screaming, play in for what? Should I actually yeah. scream it? Play in for what? Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. musical yeah. on that. Yeah. But the final 23 games of the season are going to tell us what that is. Listen, I'm not suggesting that the addition of Jakob Pertl makes them elite. But it does take a lot of the excuses away from examining what this group really is. And I'm here to tell you that despite the number nerds calling it about a 9% chance for the 6 or 7 seed in the East, the Raptors are going to be really close. Barring injury, which is absolutely no guarantee, especially when it comes to this group. So immediately, Pirtle has made this team better defensively, albeit in a small sample size against sub-elite competition. But, big but, the team's 103.6 points per 100 possessions allowed defensively in the 79 minutes that Jakob has played is the best on the team. And his plus 20 and a half net rating, that's not even close. But the slotting down of a few other guys like Precious, like Chris Boucher, saving their energy, guarding real bigs, now Pirtle can do that. And that, I feel, could really strengthen the bench. Like, I'm not saying... Pirtle's 30-point game versus Orlando is what you can expect. But putting him in the pick and roll, adding his rim-running ability, pulling defenders, opens up lanes and shooters. And while the Raptors don't have a bunch of shooters, Jesse, mm, I think we can all agree that open shots are easier to hit. I would hope so. Yes. <laughs> I would hope so. So add the idea that Freddie has quietly turned it up. Like, I don't oh, know yeah. if you've looked at his last 15, but from shooting... 37% and averaging 17 a game in his first 35. He is now up to 24.3 on 43% shooting in his last 15. And I'm telling you, if healthy, a run is coming. What that means long term with three soon-to-be unrestricted free agents, I have no idea other than Wembenyana free. You're not getting Victor anymore. But it might be pretty damn interesting down the stretch to see how ju just how good this mm. group can be. I agree. With a full complement of players, like you said, is I think very important. Right. And, and I want to ask you, you know, you're obviously a big, big basketball guy. Uh, if you're in Nick Nurse's shoes and you have OG Ananobi coming back. Yeah, Gary Trent Jr. goes to the bench. You think so? Yeah. I, I, That's the move? I, I really think, and listen, I, don't, I haven't talked to Gary Trent Jr. near enough to know if he's like, I need to start mm -hmm. to warm up. Mm -hmm. and, but he just looks so good coming off the bench and playing against other teams' benches. He's able to do a lot more. 
And I'm going to be honest, I know that some folks will say the steal numbers are nice, the deflections are nice, but he's not the most engaged defender game in and game out. Right. And the difference between this team being consistently really good and just good is the way that they play defense. So put OG in the starting lineup. Precious and Gary coming off the bench are all the more valuable. And if Chris Boucher yeah. can continue the way Chris Boucher has played over the last little while, it seems like when he's paired with Precious that he's able to exploit matchups a little bit better. That's my lineup. I, I, I send Gary Trent Jr. along with Precious and Chris Boucher and then find minutes for other people like Malachi Flynn and Thaddeus Young in the meantime, but my top three off the bench, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Ochoa, Chris Boucher. Yeah, I do wonder if, if in the criticism of the Raptors of the deadline, I may have even been guilty of overlooking what the impact of Pirtle being in the starting lineup now and being able to move those guys to the bench really does for this team because the bench was not a strong suit for this team at any real point no, of the, the season. The, now, the real question is, and the one that you and I have had a long yeah. conversation about is, yeah. can you spell... Freddie and Pascal enough with that bench that they're not overused and it's more like the last 15 than it is the first 35 because you and I both know over the last two years I understand Nick Nurse wants to play as starters because they're that much better yeah. than replacement but you can't yeah you can't if you want to be any good you can't play them those minutes even if they want to play those minutes, you have to save them from themselves. And you and I have had this conversation for what? Year, two years? Two years. Yeah. It's a year, I was just going to say, it's a years-long conversation now. Yeah. It goes back to Tampa, does it yeah. not? Yeah. You can't, have, you can't have it move to March and Fred has his lower back flare up because he's played too much. Or his knee. Yeah. You, right. can't, you can't have that. You cannot no. afford it. Um, with the Jet Smith coming up a little bit later. We'll continue the Raptors Love and it. basketball conversation. But you got to set your PVR. you got to get your popcorn ready. Whatever cliche you want to use. Because we've got Connor McDavid against Sidney oh, Crosby tonight, baby. The you know two when superstars. we use the promo video, yes. it's big. Yeah. Yes, deservedly so. <laughs> the two superstars go head-to-head for the 11th time in their careers, headlining a busy night in the NHL. You can see the Oilers and Penguins on Sportsnet at 7 o'clock Eastern time. One of four games across the network. Last night, the Jets lost 2-1 to the Islanders as Winnipeg fell to 1-3 on their four-game road trip. And after falling behind 3-1, the Flames scored five straight goals in a 6-3 win over the Coyotes to pull within two points of the final playoff spot like a big win. in the West. And of course, much of the focus in the National Hockey League right now centers around next Friday's trade deadline. So which Canadian team do you think will be the busiest over the next eight days. I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of days and kind of studying rosters trying to figure out where teams sit and my answer to the question which of the Canadian teams will be the busiest is all of them. Like think about it Montreal and Vancouver are sellers right? Does Montreal have enough uh, healthy bodies to be a seller? Trade at all yeah. <laughs> well I think like honestly it's whether or not guys are healthy and if they yeah. want to deal them but I think they should be a little bit to, of a seller, sure. yeah. yeah. And I think Vancouver is a seller. Mm-hmm. I also think that the Ottawa Senators moving Zaitsev and that contract opens them up potentially to being a bit of a buyer here to fortify what they've built over the last few years. Josh Sanderson on his way back. The Edmonton Oilers need to add. I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs are done. 
Elliot Friedman was sitting in here yesterday. Yeah. He said he didn't think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are done. Listen, there was a reason why they pay. I know, like, all the comment sections on every website in this country are, that dude, Kyle Dubas, way overpaid for Ryan O'Reilly. You know why he overpaid for Ryan O'Reilly? So that they could chew the contract down under $2 million cap hit. And that allows them another addition, if you take Muzzin's 5.6 out of the lineup, of around $3 million to this team. Mm -hmm. They're not, I don't think they're done in any way, shape, or form. And the Calgary Flames last night played a game. I said it was a big win. Mm -hmm. Like, Elias Lindholm said that they saved their season last night. I, I don't know what the addition is there, but I feel like they need a little bit of a shakeup here too. I wouldn't be surprised to see all of the Canadian teams try and do something here, and the most intriguing of them all might be the Edmonton Oilers. Did you read Mark Spector's column mm -hmm. today where he kind of laid down the groundwork of amount of contracts, cap space, and basically said, I don't know what they're going to be adding here. Mm -hmm. And certainly not, in Spector's mind, Eric Carlson, and yeah. certainly not, in Spector's mind, Patrick Kane. Like, it's just a small piece if you do all the numbers, and what that small piece has to be for Ken Holland feels like it's got to be big. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they do yeah. that either. Spec and I don't know if bringing Luke yeah. Shen in and placing that kind of pressure on Luke Shen is the answer for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, it, it feels like there's a bunch of teams in tough spots, and they all got to make one or two really key moves because of the NHL's stupid salary cap. I mean, it's, it's such a good point that like, there's always more pressure on the Canadian teams during the trade deadline, I feel, because... Because two networks do 18 hours of yeah, coverage yes, and beg you to watch. Yes, that. And, <laughs> yeah. and also, like, they're not always uh, the hot spots for free agents. It's just right. a reality. So when you're, when you're looking to bring in assets, a lot of times they got to be longer-term deals, and that sort of limits your options. So it could get a little dicey here for a couple Canadian teams because there aren't that many options with long-term deals available. I yeah, but the, the right rental every year can also be very valuable. The one question, the one thing, and I'm listening, I'm not selling uh, Sportsnet's coverage of trade deadline day with anyways, this comment, but it's not always won and lost at the deadline. Yeah. Everyone acts like it's won and lost at the deadline. You can supplement, sorry, Lee fans, you can supplement... You can help, but it's not always won and lost. And when you look at who people declare as the winners on deadline day, it doesn't always translate to the postseason. No, no. But also, watch Sportsnet's coverage. <laughs> uh, Mike Feuder coming up a little bit later. We we'll will continue uh, the NHL conversation. But we are staying with hockey as Team Canada hey. beat Team USA 5 hey. nothing last night in Game 7 of the rivalry series. Canada took control of the game with a four-goal second period. Blair Turnbull scored twice and Canada also got goals from Ella Shelton, Victoria Bach and of course, obviously Marie Philippe yeah, Who started the second period? Yeah, yeah. MVP of course. <laughs> and Rene Debien made 25 saves for the shutout. Uh, never any doubt right Timmy? And uh, uh, Marie Très bien, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Very good, yeah, guys. Very good. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> Listen, to start the rivalry series I thought, you know, this is probably the most hotly contested rivalry in all of sports. Like, these two are always in it, save for maybe one 
world championship. Like they go toe to toe, blow for blow all the time. And I figure, you know what? This just might be the the state's time to respond. Hell, Canada's won the last two worlds and the Olympics. So when the state stormed out to a three nothing series lead, I figured, of course, this is gonna go that. Like the United States is not going out like that. But Rudy T. Jesse, one of my favorite sports quotes of all time, never underestimate the heart of a champion. How about four in a row for the Canadians? How about the last two by a combined total of 10 to 1 to steal a line from my former co-host, knock knock, who's there? It's the best in the world, that's who, and they wear red and white. All right, that's where we're at at the end of this rivalry series. That's two world championships. That's an Olympic Games, and that's the last two rivalry series. Knock, knock, who's there? Not quite gold medal in the face, just the Canadian team. They're really good. Down from 03 in the series, they come back to win it, which is uh, remarkable. 94-73 and one record against the U.S. all time now. Um, so congratulations to the Canadian women, for sure. Uh, I, thought, I thought when I finished that, yeah. it needed to be punctuated with one of these. Now, I can't, I can't give myself horns, but you've become allergic to touching that machine <laughs> over there. And I'm getting pretty perturbed, Jesse Rubinoff. Yeah, Every fair, once in a while, a when we say that the best team in the world happens to be Canada, gold darn it, right. Jesse, hit one of these buttons. Do you not support the women of our national hockey team? Yourself. Hit that damn thing! You, you tend to do it yourself. So. Hit that damn thing, Rubinoff! I gave it doubles. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, um, perfect yeah. Connor Bedard had five <laughs> points again last night. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I, like, how? How is he gonna? Yeah. There you go. Like, how is he? How does he? How? How? Yeah. Honestly, I don't have any Did words you, to okay, describe. For, for those who didn't see the assist last night. Look at this. Like, it's pretty ridiculous. Have you seen the numbers on the year? Yeah, I can't even compute them. I'm not good at math. You're not, yeah. I'm not good at math. Those numbers are too high for me. 110 <laughs> points in 43 games. If I'm not mistaken, he's got 19 points in his last five games. 110 points in 43 games. <laughs> Listen, he, he's, he's clear. He's McDavid clear in the WHL. And there's some pretty good names on that list. Uh, every time you look up, he's doing something special. I love that immediately after showing all of the numbers, we show the NHL draft lottery odds. <laughs> and immediately everyone who's watching says, well, where would you want him to go? It's, it's unbelievable. Even the WHL is, is referencing the 2001 Sacramento Kings at this point when it comes to <laughs> this dude, Connor Bedard, because it's unbelievable. So, congrats to Bedard. He was supposed to have six points. Did you see they took yeah, one they off? Yeah, they took one away. Yeah, I had in my notes 20 points in his last five games. Like, yeah. he's just ridiculous. This this line, like, at the game log up, Jesse, mm -hmm. for the WHL, and you just look in and you see in 52 goals in 43 games, 110 points. Uh, by the way, 46 pims for the kid, eh? Mm -hmm. Feisty. Uh, yeah, every once you got to be in the WHL. You can't just stand it. But it's like 5 3 2 2 3 4 3 5 6 5 1 4 2. Like, it's just ridiculous. Hard what to, he's doing and I know there's a lot of people that have scored a lot of points in junior hockey mm -hmm. I'm not trying to pump the tires before they need to be pumped but just that assist is enough to tell you what you're seeing I would love him in Canadian market that's all I'm gonna say well we've gotten the last couple right yeah well 
I mean, big names. There's nothing wrong with being a little greedy sometimes, you know? Yeah, All right, Gary. let's get to the uh, final Freeze story here. Freeze the envelope, on. Gary. There you go. Um, <laughs> the final story here on First Things First today, we've got to close with something that took over social media today, and there was one keyword that everyone kept using when reporting on this uh, from ESPN's Adam Schefter. Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness <laughs> yes. retreat, according to the owner of the facility in Southern Oregon. USA Today, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has emerged from darkness. Everyone used emerged. I'm with you on this. The graphics too. What's Fox going on? Aaron Rodgers has emerged from a darkness <laughs> retreat. Pro football focus. Aaron Rodgers has emerged. By the way, did you notice the last one? It said emerged four days in almost complete darkness. Yeah. What does almost complete darkness mean? You probably got to turn the light on to use the bathroom. All right. To go pee. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. Take a but deuce, deuce. You don't have to. No, but if you don't know the room, you probably have to. Yeah. So, <laughs> is there Wi-Fi in there? I actually. Like, is he just I, sitting I in know. there cycling through his phone? Like, is that what he's doing? I didn't, like, <laughs> did you think this was this big, that big of a deal? It's the ayahuasca. It's him. It's him being different. This is where he ended up. And if you see the inside of the building, it's not that bad. It's got a nice little tub in there do some soaking there's like a meditation mat in there um looks pretty good no i mean listen four days for like a dad like me alone in a room like i would sleep like 16 hours a day and i don't want to tell you what i do with the rest of the time <laughs> it would just be absolute glory yes yeah yeah i agree there's a couple of tweets Shut up, greg there's a couple of tweets before i ask you the final question of where he's gonna go but uh alex smith says 300 square feet, partially underground, no natural light. Aaron Rodgers is clearly preparing for New York City living. <laughs> Not the Alex Smith, is it? Cleveland, no. Uh, Cleveland sports fan. Uh, Aaron Rodgers emerging from his darkness retreat. McNeil. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has concluded his darkness retreat. And this one, just uh, darkness. There you go. Darkness from Exclusive Sir raw God. footage. <laughs> Uh, so where is he going? Where do you think he's cleared his mind and now where does he decide to go? I have no idea. He's a thirst trap and he'll go where he thinks the most. I mean, listen, I think it would serve him best to do what not many people do and that is stay with the same team. He's seen people come and go from this team. He's been a part of why guys have come and go Mm -hmm. from this team. I would love to see him just finish as a Green Bay Packer and go out the classy way. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not because someone will pay him a lot of money to stick around for one more year even after he leaves there. Uh, I don't know if it's now. I don't know if it's later. Um, But Aaron Rodgers, given what he's put that franchise through, should probably end his career in Green Bay. It doesn't happen all that often anymore. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Sports be nice in general, not just football. But, but also, like, uh, there's so many people willing to pay someone to stick around past their prime. Mm-hmm. Where in the past you could just go get a job and replace that money. That's not the case anymore. He makes twenty million dollars a year, For right? Sure. You're not gonna get that anywhere else unless yeah. you're Tom Brady. Yeah, he could probably get it tomorrow if he wanted it too. Uh, would you do four days in darkness? A hundred percent. You would? Yeah, live Tim and friends, live from the darkness retreat. <laughs> Boring show. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, just trying to make a joke. <laughs> Hold on. Let me give you my cell phone. Still look hot, Mike. I don't know if you deserve it, but whatever. They'll continue the yeah, countdown to trade deadline. Jeep Pitts Bay on the Oilers and Penguins. Plus, after the break, Donovan Bennett joins us for a couple segments, and we're joined by the legend Kenny the Jetsmith next right here on Two and Friends.
So we'll do the show in darkness? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. To compete in two events here. Oh, Kenny Smith surprised us. Mac McClure! Here he goes. Number 98, Connor Bedard. Right side center, and oh. Bedard scores! Connor Bedard with his 52nd of the season. Well, you run out of things to say and describe about Connor in the game. That's such an important conversation because, like, I've literally had conversations with, you know, higher ups that are, you know, us up there, and they feel like a certain guilt to bring people up. I I've seen it. Some open invites to this desk. Ken Reed, Rashford, Danny, Nick Kiprios, Sid Sixero. And this dude right here, one of the originals, Donovan Bennett, who joins me now, obviously, looking to celebrate Jamaican Beef Patty Day here yes. in Toronto. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, our friend Shem at Kiss had an outstanding uh, video. Uh, in my neighborhood, too. Didn't even knock on the door. He didn't. Should, yeah. should, we, should we start a poll? A megaphone? The, the best beef patty provider and I don't want to do the 416 thing where you just say Toronto. Let's go to the country. Oh, all over the place. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, right, the, the correct answer is in Toronto. I just wanted to, I just didn't <laughs> want to upset include our friends in, in other Scotia and Vancouver. And, you know, I don't know where Cab's getting beef patties in Calgary, but, you know. You know Sometimes you, know you don't know where the provider is at the store that you're buying your patty, though. Yes. And that could be straight slander if you get it wrong. I, I would argue that that patty is not a good patty if it's an imported patty. Oh, look at Donovan I mean, Bennett. Just, I mean, I just... Warden Station, do they make the patties at Warden Station? They do make them at Bathurst Station. I don't want to go, like, east side, west side. I'm just but, saying. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just, just... Yeah, this is all types seen, of slander that I'm not, I'm not ready for. Let's make some <laughs> wonderful donuts. Uh, I'm a, are you a spicy or are you a mild? Do you want me to leave? No. Do you want me to leave this? Sh no. Wait, excuse me. Do you remember? Do you remember what when? Do you remember when Ken Reed had the oh, mild? No. <laughs> he thought again, it was a spicy. Again, do you want me to leave? You're just you're comparing me. No, right, no, 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 no disrespect to Ken's palate. Yeah, I understand. But it's yeah, it's in my blood. There was, was only one patty that was offered, and it had a red dot on it. I think I can say it. I, yeah, it's just to, to denote spicy to those who don't know. Uh, I can say it. Uh, Ken Reed was the whitest response that I've ever seen in my life. So Jesse and I were talking about the NBA All-Star Game and how it kind of sort of sucked and how it almost felt like the players have become, dare I say, entitled. Like, we showed a video of the 1993 All-Star Game, also in Utah, and it seemed just like NHL, NFL before it this year, people were wondering what's the use anymore. But for this NBA conversation, it's gone much further than look at the way they played in 1993. It's gone much further than just this all-star game. It seems to have morphed into a conversation about load management. As Jesse said, it felt like the all-star game was a part of load management and what's required of today's superstar. Are you hearing, feeling the same sort of thing about this All-Star game? And now we're hearing Damian Lillard is sitting out game one post-All-Star game for, wait for it, rest. So I think the All-Star game and load management are symptoms of similar problems, but not the exact same. In okay. the case of the All-Star game. I like that answer. It's nuanced. The, the, you take your lead from the top dog, right? Right. Everyone acts a certain way on this show because 
McAuliffe sets the temperature in the room. <laughs> right. right. So MJ sets the temperature. He wants to compete at everything. Right. And Kobe did the same thing. Kobe did the same thing. Yeah. Le- LeBron's in year 20. He's not going to be judged on all-star game MVPs. Right. So if you're De'Aaron Fox, who was 0 for 1 with a missed dunk. Right. Or Shea Gildas-Alexander, who did not want to shoot. Under the basket, he's kicking it out. You can't really go that hard and pick LeBron up and turn him, you know, three times at half court if the top dog's not going hard. That's yeah. one. Number two. But LeBron blocked him, right? <laughs> and, well, the one, yeah, he did block yeah, him. Like, and, then, and, then he got, and then he got hurt. Yeah. And then number two is those guys, and, and Kenny will tell us when he joins us, mm-hmm. those guys, remember, that's back when the Dream Team getting together was a big thing. These guys play against each other all the time. They, whether it's international competition, Rico Hines runs, Drew League. So it's not a thing AAU to play against. Growing AAU up AAU at growing the up. elite level, yeah. They play harder at Rico Hines runs against each other than they do in the Ulster game. So That's the novelty shame. of them playing against these guys and testing themselves doesn't really happen in the Ulster game. And load management, it's our fault. Our, load management is our fault. Toronto's we, fault? Well, or? no. Us in the media. We've said it's all about rings and things. Right. All those rings and things you got, bring them out. So they're yeah. like, okay, I'm saving myself. Yeah. And it's all about analytics. Okay, well, then I'm not going to play if I'm not 100%. So it's our fault in the media. We've created a scenario. But like, that's what I think. Really, who cares? All right. Because I didn't play. What does Kenny think? <laughs> uh, fitting we bring up the 93 All-Star game because that was the year Kenny competed in both the dunk competition and the three-point contest. Mm. And you know his voice has evolved into maybe the most important part of the soundtrack that is this weekend. It's our friend Kenny the Jet Smith. young fella. One of the most underrated dunker of of all time joins us now. Kenny, you can still do this, right? Light work. It's light work. All right, so I don't know how much of that uh, conversation you were forced to listen to, but like, are, are you losing interest in the All-Star game? Are you frustrated at all with what you see in the All-Star game? Or are you good and that's just what we've evolved to as a game? Well, you had a couple of interesting points. We'll start with the All-Star game. I think, you know, we we were frustrated with the dunk contest. And, you know, now we're not. We're frustrated with the All-Star game. A couple of years ago, we said, hey, let's pick sides. Let's go to a certain number. And now, you know, we are frustrated again. Um, I, I, I I don't believe that these guys play against each other too much. I don't believe that these guys know each other too well. I just think that there is a, a a general laissez-faire attitude towards competing against each other um, and to embarrass each other on these kind of stages. And I don't know where it started. I don't know why it started. Um, but typically, this was the stage where I could show that I'm the best of the best from being in a dunk contest to being in a three-point contest to being in an all-star game. And, and for some reason, these these guys in this, this generation don't feel that this is the stage for that. And they are apprehensive, at, at best, to, to compete against each other at, on this stage. Right. So I think I do know where it started. Start on Instagram. Start on memes. Because we will clown you in the comments if you get embarrassed. Which is why I think Mac McClung ended the dunk competition. So I don't think big names like John Morant... Or Zion Williamson or Shaden Sharp will want to go and lose to, let's be honest, a, a, a G leader. I, I think well, the I, I culture. I don't know about that either because there is some guy who's going to be um, the Matt McClung who's a great player. You know what I mean? Meaning, like, 
yo, I've, I've been doing these kind of dunks my whole life. I'm going to show the world what type of player I am and what kind of dunker I am because they, I do want to be in it. Could, could, you know, I think that that's going to happen the way Aaron Gordon did it, the way Zach Levine did it. Hmm. You know, those guys weren't huge names before they came into the dunk contest and they became bigger names because of that. I mean, we, we think about it. Neither one, neither Zach Levine or, or Aaron Gordon is an all-star. You know, we look at them as big names. So neither one of them made the all-star team this year. So it is something about being in a dunk contest that does get your name known uh, in the NBA. And, and these guys got to figure that out. Uh, and, and for me, the, the whole thing about low management as well, like this dunk is, is probably one of the sickest dunks you've ever going to see in your life. But, uh, <laughs> but low management started with management. Yes. It yeah. starts with management. The, the one thing I always hear, and I, and I don't like the narrative that it's the player's decision. There are, there are devices that every team puts on players. And when the player hits that number or whatever that device tells them, the medical staff, staff comes to the team and said, he has to stop playing. It's, there's never a narrative ever in basketball that the player goes to and says, I need to rest tonight. That's never happened. I, I, the first time I saw this, guys, was I went to a New York Knicks practice about maybe eight years ago. And I'm watching the practice, and Dennis uh, Smith Jr. was asked to stop practicing. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, no, he has to stop. And I'm talking to the president of the team at the time, who was Steve Mills. I'm like, what the heck is this? He's like, Kenny, I fight every day because now he's hit this load management and this is something that we put in and we have to we have to pull him out of practice. I'm like, well, Dennis Smith Jr. is competing for a spot. Yeah. How is he coming out of practice? And he's like, yeah, he's hit the number. So everybody's body type, they go by your body type, they go by your weight, your age, and all these things, your injuries. So it, this is management that is telling players not to play and then the players, yes, are agreeing with it, or they sit out. A lot started with Tim Duncan and all of those guys in San Antonio, but now it's an actual medical device yeah. that tells you to stop playing. So if it means I get 20 years of LeBron and his career's not cut short, then I get it, right? I'm, I'm down with it. The problem That's is— That's why the players have bought him, because they think that they can get two, three more years out of their body, and when it's at— you know, forty million dollars a season. Hell yeah, sign me up. I'll I'll try and get two or three more years out of my body. For sure, I'll buy into that. For sure. The problem is we're seeing more guys hurt now than we ever have. So there's some sort of disconnect. Something in the system to me isn't working. Well, I don't I I, I don't know the numbers. Like I, I couldn't tell you that in 1995 how many basketball players were hurt in 1995 in, in, in February 22nd. I could tell you that this is a medical advancement that, that everyone feels uh, from players, from, but, but started with management and ownership and their medical staffs. And, you know, the way guys work out, we talk about their athleticism is better. This is, uh, if they want to change that, you know, 
players, even my comrade Charles says, oh, they're going to really go after these players because they're not play- They're the ones who's telling them not to play. Yeah, that, that, that's the interesting That's the interesting part to me too, Kenny, because like if, if the owners wanted the players to play at All-Star Game, they would, but that's a $40 million investment that you have that you don't want to get hurt in a game that means absolutely nothing. Like, it, it, it's an over a $100 million investment in every one of those guys that hits the floor unless they're a rookie. And to me, the owner's management, not Barack, he's just he's just the former president, but <laughs> owner's management, the commissioner, they are, they are all part of this plan that is trying to protect an investment at the cost of us, the fans of the game. Well, no, no, at the cost of TNT. TNT yeah. has the whole All Star Weekend, so they can't be well, happy. I think, I think, I think generally, I, I think overall that there are, you know, there were a number of players who were, who were in the game, who are apprehensive and nervous about being in the game. You mentioned De'Aaron Fox and Shea Gilders Alexander. We're looking for to carry the All Star game. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But Kevin Durant, um, Steph Curry, yeah, a lot of guys out. You know, they were out. They were not playing. They were out. You know, they've been out for weeks, you know, prior to the All-Star game. So I think that if you have LeBron, Steph Curry, KD, you put Kyrie in the mix, you put Joel Embiid. Now, all of a sudden, it's a different environment. These are the guys who are the, the torch carriers. You, We were looking at guys who just, you know, carry kerosene. So, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, here you go. <laughs> a little, extra, little extra fire. So we were asking them. To ca- if I'm asking De'Aaron Fox to carry the All-Star game, then I'm in, I'm in trouble. Okay, well, what, what, hold what, on, what? put some respect to Che's name, though. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's playing on the biggest level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a first I know he's first All-Star guy. I know, I know. I, 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 I got to stand up for the Canadian, Kenny. You know that. Oh, we can't expect. There's no Kawhi Leonard. You yeah. know, there's no, it's a, the, the guys who are the best players in the league who are carrying the league weren't really there. You know, because of real injuries, not not fake injuries. These guys, you know, Kawhi just started playing. Steph was hurt. KD, like, those are the guys who typically, when you pay money to go see, that's who you go see. Okay, well, my, my dad says, don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions. So, I have a fix. Let, let, let me know if Commissioner Kenny is down. Dunk contest, okay. every brand gets one guy. Nike, you get a guy. Jordan, you get a guy. Adidas, you get a guy. New Balance, Under Armour, you get a guy. And now we're competing. We want to show those shoes off. And the brands, Phil Knight's going to be like, I pay you how much, Zion? You're, in the, you're, in, you're dunking. That's one. Two, for the All-Star game, the USA versus the world. Man, we know you love to wrap yourself in the flag. You've got a home team built in, other than when it's in Toronto, then there's another home team. But guys will start competing because all of a sudden all the MVPs that are international are going hard. Those are my fixes. Do they work or are they have faked ideas? I, I, they're not half-baked. I think they're they're interesting. But I do think that, you know, if you went East versus West again, like you're going to have those guys playing against each other, whatever. I do think that the competition level did pick up when they did that 24-point quarter. Like, okay, we're going we're yeah. gonna to play 24 points. And that first year it did it. It took us like eight minutes to get four points like it was an eight minute run and they were defending but why you had Kawhi Leonard in the game you had Steph Curry in the game you had LeBron in the game you had Paul George in the game you had the guys who carry the league and you know how many replacements did we have 
Devin Booker wasn't in the All-Star game. Like, like, are you kidding? Like, there's so many great players that were not able to play. Uh, how many replacements did we actually have this year? We had replacements for the replacements at yeah, some point. I want to say, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends and, on. And even, it's just a lot of newbies. Yeah. Like, a lot of new guys who yeah. are just, like, figuring it out. Right. They're like, right. they're happy to, you know, they, I, I, I was happy for them. But I'm not looking. I, I don't turn on the TV, honestly, to see them. I, I don't. Uh, not yet. Will I? Yes. There are some guys, like Shay is a guy I'm starting to like, oh, time does uh, Oklahoma City play? <laughs> like, you know, but thank, thank you for I, pandering I, to us. I, I, don't, I don't do that with those guys. Right. But, you know, right. on, a, on a normal the, basis. The, the one thing I'll say before we let you go is, like, the World Cup has steel versus steel. The World Cup in hockey or the Olympics in hockey is supposed to have best versus best. We don't see that enough in basketball outside of the NBA Finals, and usually that's two of the best playing against maybe three of the best. I would love, because the United States is so dominant, I would love to see a spot where we have best on best, and the only time we saw that back in the day was the All-Star game, and I miss it, Kenny, as much as well, I miss talking you. Well, know, you. that's what the Olympics are for. But it's not like you know that. There's like Lucas on Slovenia, Jokers on Serbia. I I really believe when you see those guys back in the All-Star game next year, we won't be having this conversation. We won't. won't. We're going to hold you to this. Sierra Fox to get more, not to miss his dunk. (laughs) We won't be asking that. Kenny, always great talking basketball with you. Thanks for doing this. All right. No problem, guys. The soundtrack of the All-Star weekend. Yeah. Kenny the Jet Smith. All right, we got to take the break. Uh, we're running out of time. We're checking uh, DJ's Man United, perhaps. United. And also continue our celebration of Black History Month. Snacks right here. I'm Tim and Friends. Couldn't go to break. I'm sorry. Not often we get Europa League with two teams like this. Man U and Barcelona tied two on aggregate. Second leg knockout between the two global heavyweights. 15th minute, Bruno Fernandes takes down Alejandro Balde in the area. The foul leads to a penalty for Barca. So Robert Lewandowski steps up and the Polish forward unleashes. David De Gea got a piece, not enough. Lewandowski's first ever goal against Man United. Barca up 3-2 on aggregate. I'm just as surprised. 47th minute, Barca turns it over. Fernandes to Fred. I love Fred. Like, just Fred. Fred. We love Fred. Yeah, I mean, the name is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, his name's not Fred. Right? 3-3 on aggregate. 73rd minute, more from the Red Devils. Trying to block, uh, break the tie. Multiple shots blocked before Anthony finally buries. And Manchester United win 4-3 on aggregate and advance as a Man U fan, Donovan Bennett. Are you pleased with the result in Europa League? Yeah, thank you to the Brazilians who have carried the squad for the better part of this year, along with Rashford. But it is the Europa League. Barca, a massive club. But right. This is a club who's proud of winning a treble. Right. In Man U. 
Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I've seen dudes with treble tattoos and some <laughs> that are celebrating moving through in the Europa League. There's a bit of a difference. The, the thing I love about you when you come in and why that seat is always open if you want to sit down is because you always bring work with you, oh, which right. I thank yeah. you very much for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you help me uh, justify the work yeah. by telling people, yeah, it'll be on Tim and Friends at some point. <laughs> so, like, give me some resources to do it. Uh, and I got some resources to do this. And we've had three parts of We Eaten that you've seen on this very show. Mm -hmm. online sportsnet.ca slash bhm but this actually was a conversation that we had off script do you know that you are more likely to be an nfl coach if your dad was an nf coach than if you actually played in the nfl nepotism happens in sports we didn't plan to talk about this but this is where the conversation went we eat in on nepotism in sports like i get some of those leftovers every you know like of course <laughs> We're not in the culture where nepotism really exists. We don't have uncles or parents or someone in their house of worship or someone in their ethnic community that is a general manager or president or an owner, owner of a team that can like, oh yeah, it's my neighbor's kid, blah, blah, blah. And then just immediately just gets pulled into an organization or given an opportunity because it's the neighbor's kid or it's a cousin or a nephew or niece or... You know, so it's... Um, and that's exactly what they fear, bringing us in. Oh, that we'll just bring the rest of us? Well, like, not that we'll just bring... Just one, one goes in, like a, Trojan, like a Trojan... We're all Trojan horses? It's like, we'll bring them all in. Is the coast clear? But no, it's, it's true. Like, even with my, my girls I mentor, like, I realized that, like, I had no idea in terms of recruiting. And some of them have no idea. But I have the connection from when I was being recruited and I gave that to them. I didn't have anybody to give that to me. So it is, it's little things, but it goes a long way. And that's, it's how life works, unfortunately. It's, it's networking and, and you need those connects to, to get where you want to go, usually. So, I mean, we do have to bring our own. That's such an important conversation because like, I've literally had conversations with, you know, higher ups that are, you know, us up there and they feel like a certain guilt to bring people up. I I've seen it and they I can feel understand like, that. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, I, I just can't do that because it'll seem like I did it for that reason. And it's like, yeah, but do you know how how many times this happens? Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it, it's going to take courage. It's going to take boldness. You just got to do it once you do step into that room. Yeah. Those two people don't have the same last name by coincidence. They, they have the same last name because they hired his cousin or his son or his nephew. And so uh, it, it, with the few opportunities we have, uh, you, you can't not do it out, out of guilt. But on the flip side is you also don't want to put someone in a position not right, to succeed. Right, right. Because then, it, 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 one, it doesn't hurt that person. But again, it hurts you, but it hurts all of us yeah. right. because we are judged collectively, no doubt. But then again, it goes back to just hiring the right, the person qualified for the job. And black people are educated at like, so are BIPOC individuals. So, you know, we are, have every right to be in that space. I like being in this space with you guys. This has been <laughs> a lot of fun. Thank you. And the food was delicious. The conversation fed my soul. Yes, I'm full. Full. full, full. <laughs> May I eat the food on your plates? <laughs> Go for it. Not much. Okay. <laughs> I feel like Cab's done that before. Many times. Uh, I appreciate that you bring the work to us, and I appreciate that you can use us to get the resources to do the work. Yeah.
Appreciate the connect. Teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, Donovan Bennett, appreciate you. By the way, uh, while we were in that piece, mm -hmm. it looks as though we've got a deal in the NHL. Say word. Yeah, Caps have been holding people out. We're going to take the break. Up next, we're going to head to Pittsburgh, check in with Gene Principe, ahead of the Oilers and Penguins, plus Mike Fuda on a Garnet Hathaway deal. Oh. To the Boston Bruins, they get bigger, they get tougher. Leaf fans, you might want to put the earmuffs on for the next little while because there might be more in this deal. Orloff also out of the lineup tonight. We'll do it all night right here in Tim and Friends. Perfect fit. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Chief Dogs back for a final half an hour here on Tim and Friends with breaking news, my friends. Mike Fuda on the way. We will discuss the breaking news with trade deadline just eight days away. And Jesse, I was chuckling as we came back from break because somewhere Jacob Chikrin must be pissed off. Uh, earlier... We heard that the point. Caps were holding out Dmitry <laughs> yeah. Orloff and Garnet Hathaway for, quote, trade-related reasons. Well, Elliot Friedman on Twitter from 5.57 p.m. like six minutes ago, hearing it's both Orloff and Hathaway to the Boston Bruins, which opens up a whole can of worms on a bunch of different sides. One, the rich get richer in the Boston Bruins. We're not sure what's going the back the marks. other way. The question mark. But brilliant. the Gavrikov deal mm -hmm. looks like that would go away, which would open the door to what? Toronto, Ottawa, and Edmonton, who yeah. are all, maybe even the Winnipeg Jets, who would all be looking for that type of defenseman? Yeah, well, the, the reason specifically as it pertains to the Oilers, like the reason the Carlson deal seems, as Fridge put it, once in a million in his 32 Thoughts article is because of how expensive it is. And Gavrikov is not that expensive. $2.8 million cap hit is not that crazy. That's so. why the asking price is so much from Columbus right mm -hmm. now. The other part of that is uh, Elliot Friedman sat here yesterday and suggested that the Blue Jackets may be in on Chikrin. And if they're not trading Gavrikov to Boston, mm -hmm. could they be making a deal that includes Gavrikov to Arizona for Chikrin, which to me, like, I know you got contract, you have term with Chikrin, but mm -hmm. you keep both of them if you really wanted to be good. Yeah, seems like a weird, seems like a weird move. Listen, Mike Feud is going to join us in a flash, but this is absolutely juicy. The Washington Capitals yeah, let's go. are now selling. It looks like they're on the outside looking in. They send Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway to the Boston Bruins for who? I don't know. We'll figure it out over the next little while. This is breaking news. This is Tim and Friends, and hopefully we will replace those three question marks. <laughs> I love the question marks. Uh, two of the most obvious just Bruins players, too, right? Like the Bruins getting bigger, tougher, yeah. meaner, classic Bruins. So does that mean that the Toronto Maple Leafs, if they hope to get through Tampa, need to get tougher, tougher. and meaner to play the box? All these things we will talk about with Mike Fuda coming up in a flash. Busy night on the ice. Ten games including an absolute beauty on Sportsnet. That's right, kids. Connor McDavid and the Oilers facing Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. The Oilers coming off a win over the Flyers. Penguins point out of the final wild. It seems like all these games are big now. Four games in hand for the Penguins on the Panthers. Five on the Islanders with more. We go live to Pittsburgh and Gene Prince Bay. 
Hey, Gino, what's going on? We got deals. What's going on in Pittsburgh? I was going to say breaking news. Two guys that will not be traded yes, ever yes. are uh, the focus of uh, tonight's <laughs> game here at uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, no doubt about it. Connor McDavid and uh, Sidney Crosby. Crosby, of course, drafted first overall 10 years before Connor McDavid was drafted first overall. When you look at uh, the numbers of these two players uh, playing against each other, in the beginning it was a, a lot of McDavid over Crosby, and uh, Connor continues to have the advantage when it comes to points uh, against Sid the Kid. The other thing that started to happen, too, is the Oilers are beginning to win more games, including one earlier this season. So that's starting to match up, certainly the way Connor would like it, not so much the way uh, Sid would like it. The Edmonton Oilers uh, got into Pittsburgh uh, last night. It was about 6.30 or so when they arrived at their hotel in Pittsburgh is one of the most uh, busy places when it comes to people wanting to get a glimpse or an autograph of uh, incoming superstars like Connor McDavid and they are I don't want to say aggressive but persistent maybe <laughs> is a better word to describe them uh, especially when they see the player uh, right in front of them and uh, Connor's always so good with fans and wanting to sign sort of as much as he can especially for uh, younger people that he feels are, are, are there for the love of the game and not for the love of uh, making some money off of his uh, signature and uh, one guy that knows uh, both these two quite well one very well that's Connor McDavid head coach Jay Woodcroft but he also has uh, well some experience in the past of understanding what makes Sidney Crosby tick as one of the game's greatest players ever. I've been lucky to be around him at um, a world championship so I got to see it firsthand. He's somebody who uh, as is is as impressive um, in the dressing room and in, in around the coaching staff that, than he is on the ice. Uh, that, that's the type of individual this person is. He's somebody who has set a standard of excellence. Uh, he's a great leader. Obviously, the amount of cups this team has won and the amount of long playoff runs that this team has gone on, I think, are um, you know can be uh, directly related to the people that they have in the locker room. And he's certainly going to go down as one of the best hockey players of all time. Yeah, it's interesting listening to Jay Woodcroft talk about uh, Sidney Crosby. You almost feel, or at least I feel when I listen to that, that you could at some point uh, kind of scratch out Sidney when he's retired and just yeah. fill in Connor McDavid into all those things the way Jay uh, described uh, Sidney that he hopes to be able to describe Connor. Some of them already apply, Tim, uh, some not quite yet. And I will say, heading into the arena uh, for this game, I met a uh, 20th anniversary couple from Edmonton that are here, Jay and Karen, met some folks from Toronto, Kevin and his dad met Steve from Lloyd Minster this is one of those games with only two on the schedule and uh, some of these uh, not being able to be played during the pandemic that people are very excited about as are we so I'm looking forward to that and we'll be listening to you to see who those question marks are <laughs> that are being traded they turn into actual people we'll be standing by yeah and they got to turn into actual people Gene because of the salary going <laughs> one way means that there actually has to be players going back the other way or a third team appreciate you always enjoy McDavid yeah, and Crosby care, buddy. buddy. Uh, there is Gene Principe in Pittsburgh and that's a good travel spot for a lot of folks go down to Pittsburgh and watch a game which uh, Gene mentioned Flames back in action after a big win in Arizona last night. They'll face the Pacific leading Golden Knights in Vegas. You can see it across the country on Sportsnet 1. Jacob Markstrom expected to start after Dan Vladar went last night. The Canucks are in St. Louis to face the Blues. You can see that one regionally on Sportsnet Pacific. Five local, eight Pacific. No Luke Shen once again. Trade related reasons, Jesse, and we will see if this one ends up being 
a deal like it was for Garnet Hathaway and Dmitry Orlov and Jesse. I was just doing the math on these two rentals in Boston. There's got to be actual pieces going back the other way. That is what David Pagnotta of the fourth period is reporting. Uh, Craig Smith, Connor Clifton, and Zaboril going back to Washington. So uh, real pieces and a defenseman who plays every night and Connor Clifton going the other way too. So um, interesting, not draft picks, it appears, according to Pagnotta. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get confirmation on that one for sure, but there are a lot of moving pieces here, so we will keep moving our pieces and bring Mike Fuda into the conversation. He, the former assistant GM in Los Angeles, a good friend of the show. What's going on, Fuda? How are you, buddy? How are you, Timmy? I am I very... Thought I, I thought this... I was getting sacked for Elliot. No question about <laughs> no. it. I thought it was coming. No. I got to ask you what the Boston Bruins just did here because it appears as though, as Jesse and I were putting it, the rich get richer here. They get bigger. They get tougher. Absolutely. I mean, they're having a magical season, but give Tim Sweeney credit or Don Sweeney credit. You, you look at what the Leafs did, and, and it's just counter move. I mean, now I just... Patrice Brisbois, where you're on the, you're on the clock, my friend. Uh, and it's amazing, too, that... These deals are, you're allowed to do these deals, and we were talking earlier about aging cores, and we were talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their aging core, and, and, and you know, their need to be good and their need to be great and trying to add players. But when their top two guys come back in at $6.1 million each, it makes it hard for Ron Hextall to add pieces. When Boston's top two pieces come back, Bergeron and Krejci for like, I think it's $2.5 million between the two of them, that gives the general manager so much flexibility to add great players around a great core. So it's something to watch, but uh, I think now, like from a Toronto standpoint, you've got to look at you know who your dance partner is and you've got to come up with a lineup and I love that I absolutely love the Ryan O'Reilly trade I was talking to Daryl Sutter via text today talking about the two cups that we won down the middle Anze Kopitar uh, Jeff Carter Mike Richards Jared Stahl center depth now mm -hmm. there's so much said about where uh, these guys are going to be playing but it doesn't matter the team you got to look at Braden Point Steven Stamkos Nick Paul okay they Go, a week ago, they were winning this deal. Now you go Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly, advantage Leafs. You're not going to win the Vasilevsky matchup, but that's an incredible move for that first-round matchup. Now I do think you can't just dip your toes in the water. Kyle Dubas, tons of credit here, but we all know the pressure that's on this team to advance, not just past the first round, but a long stretch. I think a move like this, and you know Tampa Bay is going to add something. The Leafs have got to really look hard at someone like a Gabrikov or even like a Ratko Gudish, somebody, some, somebody who's got some snot and grit in the back end that's going to obviously Jake Muzzin's a huge piece that would have been a perfect fit here but yeah. without Jake Muzzin they've got to add a piece and I think there's so much offense on this team that that piece has to have some grit some playoff experience and he's got to bring a little bit of bite Lubishkin would have been a very nice fit now in Buffalo move on from him you got to find someone similar to that and they're out there you know what's funny is uh when we came back at six o'clock Jesse and I six o'clock Eastern Jesse and I uh, laid out, okay, so if Gavrikov isn't going to Boston, which it seems like is off the table now, where is he going? And there's so many places that he could go. Toronto was one of them. I feel like the Ottawa Senators uh, need a defenseman and need some help for that team. They could be in the mix for that. Edmonton could use a defenseman at that price. Do, do you think, and listen, Elliot Friedman mentioned the fact that uh, Columbus could be a destination for Chikrin. I, I mean, listen, Gavrikov for Chikrin or in a deal with Chikrin seems like, you know, 
firing a six shooter into your foot and then saying, I want another foot. Yeah, well, <laughs> when you talk about the packages that have been thrown around for Jacob Chikrin, yeah. it makes no sense whatsoever, a Gavrikov for Chikrin, even in the same millennium. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be so much else going towards Arizona in a, yes. in a deal like yeah. that. But it's such a different trade deadline because these names that we're talking about, it's not just there's four or five teams that need to add this one player who's available and it's usually a rental. Chickren's got three years left on an incredible contract. So right. you can have teams that aren't necessarily even in a playoff position right now throwing into this mix. So Armstrong's got a lot of options coming at him. And again, you look at the Timo Meyer trade. This isn't a guy that's a one and out. Whoever gets him is going to get him long term. So there's a lot of teams that might not even be in playoff contention that are interested in players like this. And it's going to be very interesting. And I'm thinking about the Eastern Conference right now, Timmy. You've got everybody, I know everybody in Toronto complains, oh my God, Tampa Bay, Boston. New York Rangers? Are you kidding me? If Patrick yeah. Kane ends up with the New York Rangers, look out New York Rangers. The Carolina Hurricanes won the best team in hockey. They're going to have to start making some moves now to add to that mix. Now you've got, you know, teams that have kind of, Islanders have to do well this year. And you've got the, the New Jersey Devils as well, Pittsburgh Penguins, non-playoff year. After re-signing your older core, it's going to be a battle in the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, they got to start picking up the action and get on the phones as well. There's some teams. There's some teams like they're playing with house money, but there's other teams. For example, that if there's not success in the playoffs, or for somehow you miss the playoffs, there's going to be heads rolling, yeah. and that's a tough thing, especially with the salary cap situation. But it's really hard to see the Penguins getting exceptionally better because of their salary cap situation and the ability to move players out. Uh, the Islanders, you know, unfortunately lose Barzell after making that, you know, the big pin. But I look at Patrick playing, Patrick Kane plays his cards and says it's Rangers or nothing and agrees to an extension the way uh, Horvat did in the Islanders. So you don't look think Tarasenko out. takes Kane out of New York? No, I don't think he does at all. I huh. think you're going to probably give up. You're probably going to have to give up assets you never thought you'd have to. Like you talk about the success of like the Lafreniers and the Cacos of the world. Right. But there are some young pieces there that if you want to go all in and you know Patrick Kane's Man. not going to be just a rental. My thing is with Patrick Kane, my understanding is that if he can hook up again with his boy, the bread man, et cetera, et cetera, he wants to be there long term. And there's going to be a window to win cups for the rest of his career. Uh, I I very much want to know what, what they're telling Patrick Kane because, I mean, players like Dallas, Vegas, everybody could use him. But if he just plays the card, you're, I'm a New York Ranger or nothing, they're going to be it's a little bit of a mustard uh, stuffed in their face at the deadline. You add a little more juice to this deadline. If you know, I know you got to get going, but as you're mentioning this, this race in the East and, the, and how big the arms are getting in the East, let me give you this stat to part on, Futes. Uh, East versus the West this year. The East is 232, 133, and 49 against the West. They have been absolutely dominant against the West because the East seemingly is the beast this year. You know what I'd say? You better hope the Colorado Avalanche don't get all healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, and that listen, that, that's true. They've been banged up. That's a part of the equation. And what happens at this deadline could also be a part of the equation. I uh, know you got to get going here to host the show. Appreciate you doing this always, friend. And we'll talk hockey again soon. Pleasure, Tim. There is Mike Fuda. He'll be a part of Hockey Central right here on Sportsnet coming up. And what will be a – you can see I can feel the it. energy I can feel in the it. blood of Mike Fuda. <laughs> he was getting awesome. Ready. So when, when you hear what he says, mm. especially about Kane, I mean, I thought that that was all but done to New York and what they would give up and what Chicago would want back. And listen, there's a lot of pressure on the general manager in Chicago because if you just watch Patrick Kane walk after this year and go on to play fruitful years elsewhere and you got nothing for him, like that, 
that's real interesting to me. And if it's like a Lafreniere that you could get back in return, even though he hasn't worked out the way they thought he would in New York, like you gotta make that deal. Yeah, there's, uh, I think there's there's no question about it. I actually just got an update on the Washington Capitals move. Let me pick it up here. Okay, here's the official from the Washington Capitals Twitter account. The Washington Capitals have acquired a 2023 first round pick, 2025 second round pick, 2024 third round pick, and forward Craig Smith from the so Bruins Craig in exchange Smith is for the only defense. One. So that has to be significant. Yeah. Uh, retention somewhere else. There is a third team part of this, or is it just them? Okay, we're hearing reports now of double retention on this. So I'm just doing the math here. We can go to Cap Friendly on my computer, and it'll tell you that Orloff and Halfway have a combined cap hit of $6.6 million. Uh, Boston currently have $1 million in usable LTI salary. So we knew that there had to be some sort mm-hmm. of retained salary and or real pieces going back. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, some names got out there, but we'll sort it out as we said we would, and this we'll get so it much, to you because... This is fun. Yeah, this is the you dead feel it days. With, with um, yeah, the Kane situation, it's really interesting, too, the, the Kane. You, you make a really good point. Like, I, I do wonder if the relationship between him and the team would necessitate him not wanting to, to leave. He's been there for so long, like not wanting to put the yeah, organization think, in that spot. But maybe he doesn't care. You know, I don't like, think he's shy. No, yeah. I, like, we know enough about Patrick Kane, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, we honestly, and, 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 and if he wants to be the D-bag, mm-hmm. or he wants to get what he wants. He'll do it. He'll do it. And I think that's where we're at right now. And the, when you said Kane, I thought you said Canes. They're also very quiet in all this, yeah. and I wonder when they're going to. Like, this is going to be a really interesting deadline because Boston just put a little bit of the hammer down. <laughs> Leafs, O'Reilly, awesome. Boston awesome. responds. Who's next? Last break, we'll check in with the Jays, Jesse Rubinoff, game time, and get you set for Hockey Central. As another deal has gone down, the Bruins get Orloff and Hathaway. Take that, NBA. Looks like Minnesota's in on this deal, too. All right, just two days away from Jays spring training. And their opener against the Pirates. You can see it on Sportsnet Saturday afternoon. Jay's top prospect, Ricky Tiedemann in camp. Lots of intrigue around him. Did the 20-year-old get a look at the big club at some point this season? One thing's for sure. Hype is in the building. Stuff kind of plays, you know what I mean? It, it, it speaks for itself. And I think when he gets feedback from those hitters after his outing, like he did, it kind of lets him take a deep breath and go, okay, this is, this is baseball. So, um, you know, he looked good. He looked cool and calm and under control to me. We're not really focused on the next big thing, <laughs> to be honest with you. I just wanted to get through camp, get some get some exposure, be around the major league guys, understand what it takes to, to win at the major league level. Um, you know, picking the brains of Gossman and Barrios and, and uh, Bassett. Um, you know, being around those guys is the most important thing right now. Um, he has tremendous ability, we all know that, uh, but he's still got some work to do and, and uh, we're just really excited for his future. All right, game day starts with Tim and Friends, another busy one on the network. Hockey Central follows us with more instant analysis on the Hathaway and Orloff deal to Boston. Then it is Crosby and McDavid across the network, 7 p.m. Eastern. Oilers and Pens, part of a wonderful night right here on the Sportsnet Family Channel. So I mentioned.
mentioned Jesse Rubinoff that it appears as though Minnesota is the third member of this deal. And once again, the wild retaining salary kind of sort of confusing because they're in a playoff spot right now. At least last time I checked, they're in a playoff spot. But uh, they end up getting another draft pick for retaining 25% of Orloff's salary. They now have seven picks in the 2023 draft. A lot going on. There is a lot. Should be an eventful night on uh, Hockey Central. Uh, you want to shift gears to basketball? Sure. Briefly. Yeah, uh, Canada, Canada on the number. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, men's basketball team is back on the Olympic qualifying path tonight on Sportsnet 360. Ben Schulman and Javon Shepard have the call as 10-0 Canada takes on 7-3 Argentina in Argentina tonight. We know Canada has already qualified for the FIBA World Cup. So what's on the line in these last two games in this final window? of qualification. Yeah, I know this can be more confusing than a fart in a fan factory, so here's the Wikipedia version. Uh, After missing out on Tokyo, Canada's basketball program on the men's side, embarrassed and pissed. Uh, So they huddled up, they came back with a plan, a push for Paris, if you will, and it's working. Canada takes on Argentina as the only undefeated team in the Americas. No, not the 2019 World Cup silver medalist in Argentina, not the United States of America, just Canada. In fact, they are the only team to begin this final window having already qualified for the World Cup. And yet amazingly, like many world rankings, things are tough to figure out. Canada is ranked 15th in the world behind Brazil. They're seven and three in qualifying. And Argentina, who's ranked fourth in the world, who Canada beat by 12 in Victoria with Shea Gilgis Alexander leading the way. Now. That ranking can affect their seeding in the World Cup, and obviously Shea is otherwise occupied right now. So the European pros left their team behind to travel in this window to Argentina and Venezuela on Sunday to close this thing out. They already hold the region's record for most consecutive wins at 13 straight does Canada. If they do win these two games, they would be the first in the Americas ever, ever to complete the qualification cycle undefeated, which you would think would help their seeding as well as, well, history. So a lot on the line on Sportsnet tonight when it comes to Canada's men's basketball team. Just stay on Sportsnet all night long. We got you covered. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, <laughs> coming up tonight. on Sportsnet. Yeah. They'll go head-to-head for the 11th time in their careers as the Oilers visit the Penguins. McDavid is on pace for a career high in points this season. Currently leads the NHL in scoring already with 105 points, a number Crosby has surpassed just twice in his entire career. 120 seemed like a crazy number at one point, and now uh, you know it looks like he's he's going to cruise to that. So, um, what was it, Kucherov? Got close to what was it, 128 that he had, something like that. So, yeah, he's uh, he's finding a way every year to get better when you know you don't think it's it's possible, and that's not a knock on him. He's just setting the bar really high. So, um, but he continues to push it. So, I think that says a lot about him and. You know, a credit to his work ethic and not being satisfied trying to, to be his absolute best. <laughs> I love when greats compliment each other. Yeah. I love uh, when greats talk about each other. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Bet Rivers is offering up a special for Crosby and McDavid to both score tonight at plus 325. You a fan of those? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you just put the numbers down and McDavid is, I mean, the odds of it, but the stage presence of the both might be worth a little bit of a sprinkle. Yeah, I, I, I liked it, but I also like the matchup, and I love when you hear the all-time, not just greats, the all-time greats mm-hmm. talk about each other because I think they have a different level of appreciation on how hard it is to do what they're doing. Different era, though, I will say, for Crosby, yeah. right? Like, 
the numbers have all gone up over the last little while. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Sid, six points head-to-head -head against McDavid. McDavid, 18 points. And this got me thinking. We had the Patrick Kane conversation, trying to figure out whether he's going to stay with one team his entire career. Sid's getting up there in age. Do you ever think we'll see Crosby and McDavid as teammates, We need perhaps? to. We for, need to. For Team Canada. Olympic, right. Yeah. Right. Not in the NHL. Yeah, you, you and I have talked about this numerous times. They need to play with each other. McDavid said it on the show. We need best on best Gary Company, Union, Marty Walsh. I don't care who it is. Get it done. Canada deserves Crosby, McDavid. Great. Best on McKinnon. Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon. Oh. Best on best. That does it for us. Hockey Central, Carolyn Cameron, Mike Feuda, Luke Gazzett. They got a lot to talk about. The dealing started, kids, and it's well underway.